Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Well, good morning again. Okay. You know, in Uruguay, um, there's many things that are you kind of learn and just kind of work with as you um, are there. But uh, part of being in Uruguay and in many Latin American countries is just greeting one another, okay? So in Uruguay, it's very customary to come in and we greet um, kissing handshakes, but kind of giving a hug and kissing each other on the cheek. And it's uh, men with women, women with women, kids with everybody. And so um, in Uruguay, if I were to come in here, we basically would go around and we'd just say hi to everyone. And then as you go to say goodbye, you go around and you say goodbye to everyone. So, but um, that's how we kind of say welcome in Uruguay. Um, I can honestly say I haven't gone around and greeted all of you, um, but I have felt very welcomed here because the spirit of the Lord is here. And so thank you so much. Peter and I are sharing in different churches on the weekend, and um, Peter right now is uh, preaching in Erie, and then he's going to be going on to McKeesport and preaching and sharing the word uh, this evening in McKeesport. Um, But we have felt, I have just felt so welcomed here, and um, I just, uh, God has blessed me even before I've been able to share the word with you. Um, Seeing what God is doing here in Newcastle, and it's very easy to look at the differences. You guys live here in Newcastle. I uh, drove in from Cleveland, where Peter and I are living this year. I'm going to share with you about Uruguay. We've uh, seen what God is doing in Asbury and Kentucky. And it's easy to kind of put it all in little boxes and say it's all you know different places. But what is uniting us all here together is God's presence and our desire to worship him, know him, and share with him, share him with others. So as I share with you this morning, can we just look beyond some of the differences and we just say, Lord, speak to us. Lord, speak to my heart um, about how to be more present and in sharing. So just a wonderful blessing to be here. I also just want to say thank you so much for what you're doing to encourage us as IWs to learn more about countries and to share this with kids. Often in Uruguay, in the church ministries that we've been involved in, in the smaller churches there in the north of the country, um, I will help start up a Sunday school ministry. I don't have a lot of talent, but we can gather kids together, look for materials, share God's word. And um, it's a great treasure to be sharing this with kids, sharing it with young people, even if you've got to eat some different food this afternoon, okay? But we come together because the Lord is present. And so I just would like to uh, thank you and encourage you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for praying. Maybe you say, I've never prayed for Uruguay, never knew who you were, Lord, till you came. But I know as a church you've been praying that the Lord would be very present and working in different parts of the world. And so we just appreciate praying, your giving, and your encouragement along the way. So this morning I'd like to just share with you um, a message about being present. And um, this message comes out of Matthew chapter 9, and we'll look at these verses in a few minutes. Um, Peter and I, when we came back from Uruguay, we came back last May. We had packed up everything, kind of sold a lot of our things, and we came back, 
And usually when we've come back to the States, we live in uh, mid-Ohio. And if you've ever driven into mid-Ohio, it's about everything you can think about with Ohio. It's flat, cornfields, bean fields, that's about the options of what you're gonna see growing. And uh, we were living in mid-Ohio for this summer. We were kind of coming in and out, uh, visiting families, starting to speak in some churches. And we were staying with some friends. They had a basement apartment. And right across their driveway was this huge field. And um, we'd come in and out and visit and come back and see what the field looked like every time we came back. We came back in August after having been gone for quite a few weeks and the corn was up. The corn was more than up. It was way up. And sometimes as you come back from the field, there's just some things that kind of capture your attention a little bit. One thing that captured our attention real fast was the price of gas when we came back here. Kind of got used to that. But we came back and we saw these cornfields and Peter stopped and he said, can you look how tall that is? And he made me get out and he says, I'm gonna take a picture and see how tall it is. I put my hand up, I could not reach the top of those corn, um, corn stalks. Anyway, we asked our friends, we said, you know, uh, we've been gone a few years, we come back, is the, is the corn taller? And uh, did we shrink? That's always possible. And, um, and he says, you know, no, over time, through the years of watching the corn grow in Ohio, um, technology and everything has just helped to make the harvest better, the planting better, and it's just a better crop because over time technology has helped make things better. And um, I kind of thought, well, that's probably true. Technology and the internet has helped us in so many ways. And um, a few days later, I just had a thought and I said to Peter, I said, you know, over our years of serving in Latin America, um, the gospel, the access to the gospel has gotten better because of the internet, because of technology. And um, the good news of the gospel is more easily accessible. We have more resources there in Uruguay to share the gospel with, uh, with people because of the internet and technology. So you saw the capital city there in Montevideo, the beautiful beaches, the high buildings. Then we would travel six hours north to our small alliance church of about 60 to 70 people. On a Sunday morning, we put our church, our white plastic chairs together and we're sharing in the gospel message. And uh, often as new people are coming to our church, little by little, and uh, we wanna encourage them in, um, in getting to grow in their faith, we say, you know, it's great to read the Bible. Uruguay is a literate country. Education is free from kindergarten all the way up through college, okay? Free education. So people are used to having and reading, but this idea of having books in your home and reading, even having a Bible is not really something you would find in Uruguay. And Bibles are expensive. Cost of living is much more expensive in Uruguay. Uh, just a simple paperback Bible written, um, printed on simple paper, not even leather bound, is about $40. That can be a lot depending on what time of the month you are. If you don't have quite enough to pay for the bills, you may not buy a Bible. So how do we encourage those new Christians in our church there in Uruguay? Very simple, okay? Uh, like I said, even the gaucho has a cell phone. We say, pull out your cell phone, get on Google. What's Google? That's Google in Spanish. Get on Google, look for the Bible app, download it, pick the version you wanna read, and there you have the Bible. So even the internet has helped us in Uruguay, and the, the gospel is more accessible, and it's easier to have those resources. 
But even though that is true, God is still asking us personally to go and be that personal messenger of his hope for people who have need of him. And uh, I just want to ask you just, you don't have to, you can just raise your hand. How many of you, maybe before you began to really understand who God is, who Jesus Christ was in your life, how many of you had somebody that talked with you, prayed with you, maybe shared a Bible with you, maybe shared a track? Anybody have a face-to-face -face conversation with people? Okay. We do, because God uses people to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with us personally. Um, as I shared a little bit last night, I grew up in the North Hills of Pittsburgh. I wanted to go to nursing school. I kind of had this spirit. I wanted to go somewhere outside of state. And so I went to West Virginia, um, about mid-state in a town called Buchanan. I began to study nursing at West Virginia Wesleyan College. And I had a freshman roommate. Her name was Pam. We would sit together. She'd have her desk here. I'd have my desk here. We had nursing books stacked up around us. We'd be studying away. But what was Pam doing? She was praying for me as well because she was a Christian. And as we began to study together, every once in a while she would say, you know, Laura, would you like to take some time out and just study part of the Bible? I had always grown up going to church in Pittsburgh. I liked going to church. And I said, well, sure. And I was into new things. College kind of gives you options of many new things. So we would once in a while just study the, um, the Bible together. She was sharing with me through these Bible studies who God is, who Jesus Christ is, what it meant for Jesus to die on the cross, things that I had known but never really understood. Then one evening, we kind of got to the end of the Bible study and Pam shared with me. She said, you know, Laura, have you ever received Jesus Christ into your life? All I could say to her, Pam, I always have gone to church. And she said, that's true, Laura, that's something you've done. Jesus wants to give you something to have. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? And after a little tug of war in my heart that night, I prayed and said, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life. Pam was that messenger for my life. She went away after her freshman year. She went back to Philadelphia. She had gotten engaged. And as she was leaving, she mentioned to me, she said, you know, Laura, um, it's been great to know you. I'm going to go back and continue studying nursing actually found out that most of her credits did not transfer. And I said to her, you know, gosh, Pam, um, in Spanish it would be, que lastima, I'd say, I'm so sorry, you know, you're gonna have to kind of start over in nursing. It's been kind of a, a year of um, kind of not doing much here. You're just gonna have to start all over when you go back to Philadelphia. She looked at me and she said, Lord, this was not a waste. I got to come and share Jesus with you. And so, as we share Jesus with others in little or big ways, God wants to use each of our lives to be that personal messenger. And so let's continue to be very present and be that messenger. I'd like us to open our Bibles in um, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. It's a message about Jesus is talking about being present in the harvest fields because the harvest is ripe. These verses start out, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them 
because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to the, disi then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the fields where the harvest fields are ripe. So there's a couple of things I'd like to just look at these verses here. Um, Jesus is near the um, Sea of Galilee in the lake in the area called uh, Capernaum, in an area where he did a lot of his ministry. And um, I'm sure we have seen movies about Jesus and his ministry. I understand there's The Chosen on TV and all these series that you can be watching. Um, and here, when we have the picture of Jesus and his ministry, he's probably always with people, okay? Walking from one place to another. And what has Jesus been doing here as he's been with the disciples and with people? It says that he's been teaching, proclaiming the um, good news, and healing every disease and sickness. So Jesus was with people, at times very crowded area, but he's always been with people. And as he saw the people and he saw their reality, what happened? What was his response? He had compassion. Now, when I think of Jesus, and it's very easy to think of him as he walked the earth and he was present, he was very much God, he's very much man, together there doing his ministry, I would think he had compassion. But what happened? He saw the people. They were harassed. They had needs. They had a reality. They had needs in their lives. And he had compassion. You know, brothers and sisters, as we are with people, it's one thing to know that they have a need to know the Lord. We can think about our lives before we came to know Jesus. What were the needs in our hearts? Maybe it was loneliness. Maybe there was no hope, no purpose. Maybe we were addicted and... and um, under the ties of something we could not get free of. Maybe there was guilt. Maybe we just needed a friend, and Jesus became that friend, that hope. Someone shared with us, though, that there was hope. Someone had compassion. As Peter and I have come and go from Uruguay over many years, we kind of get in this cycle. We live in Uruguay for four years. We're involved in ministry. We come back to the States. We share in the churches. We pack up the suitcases, and we go again. It's easy to think that just because we go or because we feel God has called us to this ministry, we would have compassion when we arrive in Uruguay. It's not so. We get there, we unpack it, we settle up, we look for a place to rent, we begin ministry. But it's when we have been with the people and begin to pray that God moves in our hearts and we have compassion. And I'm sure it's the same for you. You can be with people day in and day out and we see people. But when God it begins to move in our hearts and we have compassion, then we begin to see what God really sees in people. And we begin to understand the compassion that he has for us. So God will give us that compassion for those, the people that we are around. Secondly, it says here, the harvest is plentiful. Um, in John chapter 4, if you think of the passage in the Gospel of John, you don't have to go there. It's a scene where Jesus is at the uh, well, and it's the women at the well with the Samaritan woman. His disciples have gone into town. They're bringing back food. Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman, and then he turns to the disciples, and he says this. Do you not say to me four more months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look. The fields are ripe for harvest. You know, in Uruguay, I was sharing last night, we are live below the equator, 
and so our seasons are flipped, okay? So in Ohio, if I were to talk about when are they gonna harvest those corn and beans, they're gonna say September, late August, you know, that's the harvest time. I'm sure if you've had your garden, what are you guys doing in July and August? You're harvesting this and that and bringing in the tomatoes, the cucumbers, whatever you try to grow. Okay, in Uruguay, our harvest months are February and March and in April, okay? Because that's the end of our summer and we're moving into fall in those months. Those are the harvest times. But Jesus is saying here, we with our eyes look out to the harvest fields and we say, it's only a certain time of the year that there's a harvest. Jesus was referring here, it's a spiritual harvest. We may be with people and we have compassion, but we can often say, you know, it's really hard to share my faith. No one wants to listen. Or what can I really do in this situation to share my faith? Um, I don't see any opportunity. You know, as we are present with people in our home, in the school, in our work, wherever we are budging or nudging up against people, listening to their conversations and seeing them, God will open our eyes and say, that person needs you to talk to them. That person, if you could just pray for them, maybe they don't even know you're praying for them. God puts it on your heart. God opens our eyes to where that spiritual harvest is. Let us take heart that there is a ripe harvest. We don't see it, but God will show us because it's a spiritual harvest. And then lastly, God wants us to be present in those harvest fields. Peter and I have been sharing about the Lord and the truth of the Jesus Christ in a small church in Salto. There's been a new pastor that's come alongside of us and he's now pastoring that church. And just a little pause, um, in our church in Salto, every Sunday morning when they gather at 10 o'clock, which is about uh, nine o'clock our time, they pray for wherever we have been present, okay? And so even before we've come together this morning, uh, Robert in the church in Salto has been praying for our ministry here in this church here. Robert says to us, you know, he jokes, he says, don't tell me where you are. I can't pronounce that English. God knows where you are. I'll pray and God will be present. So be encouraged. Others are praying even for our ministry in your church here. So God calls us to be present in that harvest field. As we all know, you can't have a harvest unless you're out there either picking your tomatoes or sending out the combines or in Uruguay, uh, sometimes it's blueberries, sometimes it's canola oil seeds. You've got to be present to bring in that harvest. And spiritually, the same thing is happening spiritually. God is calling us to go out and be present wherever he wants us to be. Now you may say, am I ready to go where God wants me to go? It could be a family member. It could be someone at your work. It could be someone in your school. It's been your why for us. That's where God has called us to go. But if we don't go and we're not present, how can we be there to encourage and to pray? As a church body, God calls us to pray to the Lord of Harvest that there will be workers sent out. And that continues to be the need. Even though we have all the technology, God is saying, I still want us to be present with people to share with them personally about the good news. We need to go and be obedient to where God is calling us. And we need to continue to pray that God will raise up, touch people's hearts to go, whether it's here in a neighborhood or go to another country. We need to be obedient. So pray for one another and be encouraged that God wants to use you as you go in amongst different people.
and as we have been in Uruguay, um, we, Peter and I have been very aware as we kind of packed up the bags how important it's been, in, how important it's been, the importance of being present in the church in Salto. And um, I'm sure some of you can relate to this, just as your church ministry here in Newcastle. God has called us to be present in Uruguay to do the ministry that he has called us to do. Our ministry in many parts of Uruguay has just been coming alongside the small churches that are there, the 14 Alliance churches, coming alongside the pastors, helping to preach the word, teach the word, uh, raise up a Sunday school, disciple new Christians, okay? That has been our ministry. It's been a great privilege and joy to be able to be present and be able to do that together with Robert or the other pastors that we worked with. I know sometimes it's kind of scary to think, if God calls me to go somewhere and I pray or share, how am I going to do that? Am I going to know what to say? Am I going to know what to read in the Bible? You know, it's very easy to feel timid when God calls us to do something. Um, but you know, Scripture talks about the idea, as he calls us, he gives us what we need in that moment. And that's been very true of our ministry in Uruguay. I kind of encourage people as I say, let's pray together. And they look at me and they say, I don't know what to say. I won't know what to say. What do I say? How do I pray? I joke with them and I say, well, listen, I can pray, but my native language, my language that flows the best is English. And I've had to learn to pray in Spanish. And I find as I get together and I start to pray in Spanish, the words just don't seem to come out real well. So I joke with them. I say, you know, God, pray what's on your heart. I'm going to pray whatever words of Spanish I can put together. You pray whatever words. We just come together and pray. God gives us in the moment when he calls us to do something. He'll give you what you need to pray with someone, share a scripture verse, to do something in his name like you're doing in your neighborhood. God will give you in the moment. Don't be timid. He wants to use your personal testimony in life to share that with others. We've also been... Uh, present in Uruguay to pray, pray in our churches. And what a beautiful testimony of how you're going to get together and pray tomorrow. You know, the scenery out our windows can change and ministry can change, but the battle is still the same. The needs for people to know Jesus Christ are the same. I shared in Uruguay how it's a very much a night culture and we, up, we stay off and up, stay up late because sometimes to midnight, 1 a.m. in people's homes. That's just the natural way that they share life. I'm not always real chipper at midnight, whatever, but um, as we do ministering, as we pray together, the battles are still the same. And there's opposition in Uruguay to the gospel. It may look different to the opposition that you experience here in Newcastle. But the battle is the same because we have an enemy that does not want that gospel message to go forth. And so in Uruguay, you can walk along those beautiful beaches, as you saw, and you can go swimming, you get suntan, you can play volleyball, you can eat all sorts of wonderful things on the beach as you're enjoying it. But if you get up early and you walk along those beaches in the morning and you're kind of by yourself, you'll come across this on the beach and it's, uh, it'll stop you cold because you're going, what in the world? And this is what you'll see. You'll see a dead chicken, uh, feathers and all, laying there on the beach, and you see these little stubs of candle in a circle around this um, dead chicken. And what does that symbolize? It's a worship of a sun goddess called Imaja. 
It's a spiritual worship that is very present in Uruguay. It's a very subtle presence, but it's a very strong influence in our country. And that opposition isn't only present in the beaches, because that's where most of the worship goes, but um, often our pastors in Uruguay will share, you know, I got to church on Sunday morning, and what was on the doorstep at the front door of the church? A dead chicken and candles, okay? What's on the corner in the, um, if you're just driving down the street? A dead chicken and candles. A very silent and a very subtle, but a very strong opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we come together in Salto and in different parts of Uruguay, and we pray. We pray with the pastors. We pray against that opposition. But above all, we pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would break through the barriers and people would come to know him. And then lastly, we were present in Uruguay just to be that presence of Jesus Christ. You know, um, in Corinthians, it talks about this idea. We have this treasure, the presence of God in these clay vessels. Peter and I, as we've gotten older, we say our clay vessels are getting a little more achy and all this kind of thing. But we are the presence, and you are the presence of Christ wherever you live and whatever you're doing. Even though we have come to Uruguay to be a part of ministry, a lot of our days are just very simply like this. I get up, I put the laundry in the washing machine. We have these little small front-loading machines. It takes about three loads to do what I can do, one load here. Um, our dryers in Uruguay are the clothesline, so it takes time. You go up and you put your laundry on the clothesline. Our clothesline's on the roof of our house. And I can look over um, just the flat roof, and I look down into our neighbor's yard. She lives right next to us. One neighbor on one side, and she's hanging up her laundry. We talk about, you know, what are we going to have for lunch? How are her kids doing? We just kind of live daily life. I come in. I open the refrigerator door. The large meal in Uruguay is eaten at noon, so I look in the refrigerator, and by 11 o'clock, I've got to be thinking, what am I going to cook? Don't always have everything on hand. Grab a bag, make a grocery list, walk up to a couple corner stores, uh, stand in line, get some meat, get some rice, talk to the guy at the vegetable market. What does he have? By the way, there's always lettuce and tomato in Uruguayan carrots. Apart from that, if I find broccoli or anything else that's green, I feel like I've got a bargain, okay? So put a few things in my bag, come back, and begin to cook lunch, okay? We live daily life sharing just in our ways that we respond. Uh, we are the presence of Christ, just like you are the presence of Christ as you div live daily life. But I've been encouraged here about being neighborly because I'm going to share with you just a story. As we had a neighbor on one side, her name was Susanna. Uh, she lived on the left of us. Uh, our neighbor on the right-hand side, with her name was Mima. In the center town of Uruguay, in most towns, uh, homes are made out of cement, and um, there's no very yard, so we just have one house after another after another. We share common walls. So you go out your front door, and you literally can touch the side wall of your neighbor's house over here, you know, a few meters away. And right in front of you, you've got a sidewalk, and then you've got the street. So often as I would be on my way to the grocery store, I'd turn right to go up to the grocery store. There's our neighbor, neighbor Mima, right there, and she's sweeping her front walk. Because in Uruguay, um, that's kind of the unknown responsibility. You always got to keep your front walk swept. Lots of dogs on the street, lots of litter. Um, the wind blows, all sorts of stuff. So every morning, a lot of ladies come out and they just sweep their front walk. Mima would always be outside. She'd sweep a walk twice a day. And I talked to her, 
and uh, older lady lives by herself, has this white dog, Blanca, that I'd be petting while she's uh, there sweeping her walk. Mima would often talk to me about this and that, and she would always kind of turn the conversation to this idea. You know, if my neighbors up the street, just one house after another, would just sweep their walks, then I'm not having to sweep my walk so much every day because all their garbage comes come into my sidewalk. And we sit there and we talk, and then I go on to the grocery store. And this just kind of happened on a weekly basis. I go to the grocery store, I talk to Mima, go to the grocery store, talk to Mima, talk about sweeping. And we got to our very last day that we were there. Um, we had packed up our house there in Uruguay in Salto, packed up everything. We were cleaning out the house because we had to turn into the house that evening into the landlord. And uh, we were kind of behind the eight ball. We had a lot of work to do. But Peter called me in. I was in the kitchen cleaning. And he said, Laura, we need to go outside and say goodbye to Mima. And we were leaving. And in Uruguay, it's customary that when you're leaving, you go seek out all the people that you know to say goodbye. They don't normally come to your house and say goodbye. You got to go out and seek them and say goodbye. So Mima was outside. What do you think Mima's doing? Sweeping her walk. And we said, Mima, we want to come and say goodbye. And she kind of stopped. And we had something for Mima. She never had a dustpan. She always talked about having, you know, I never have a dustpan. And well, we had a lot of dustpans. And I just said, you know, Mima, not a great farewell gift, but I want to give you a, a dustpan. She laughed and she said, okay, I'll, I'll remember you guys. And then she looked at us and she said, you know, in all this time together that we've talked, I've never shown you the inside of my house. And I'm thinking, that's right, Mima, you haven't. And I'm thinking, today do I have time to go see the inside of your house? And Peter kind of looked at me and he kind of gave me this look, we're going inside. So we went inside, she showed us her home, just a small home. But as she began to show us her home and talk about her family and talk about herself, I realized, here's a lady, she's not talking about sweeping, she's talking about herself. And she was saying, you know, you guys are leaving, you've been wonderful neighbors, um, you've been kind to me, you've been friendly, and you're leaving, I don't know who's moving in, and I'm always lonely, and you've been such wonderful neighbors, and now I don't know what I'm going to do. Just a simple thought. Peter grabbed a hold of that thought and he says, you know, Mima, we are leaving. We don't know who's coming in. But he said, you do live by yourself, but I can share with you someone that will always be with you and be a friend no matter where you are living. And that his name is Jesus Christ. Peter shared with her just very quickly what it meant to believe in Jesus Christ. And then as we went to leave, Peter said, could we pray together? And Mima had been listening, and she'd been very attentive. And she looked at us, and she said, me pray? And Peter says, well, how about this? I'll pray, you listen, and let's pray. And so the three of us gathered together. We prayed. Peter prayed that Mima would understand what it meant to know and receive Jesus Christ and have someone always with her in her life. As we said amen, Mima looked at us, and then she kind of leaned into Peter, as most Uruguayans do when they're talking to you, and she put his, her finger in his face, and he said, I believe and receive what you prayed. Praise the Lord. There is that seed being present. The harvest field was ripe. We didn't see it month after month, week after week, but the Lord had shown us there's that harvest field. May we, as we think about our neighbors or our family or where does God want us to do, May we pray that he opens our eyes to see the ripe harvest, move in our hearts to have compassion, 
and may we be obedient with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to share the hope that we have found in Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time to share, and I'm just going to ask Pastor Landon if he would come up to close our time together. Amen. Let's give her a hand. Let's give her a hand.